Well, good morning to you and welcome to this morning's service. It's a real pleasure to be able to uh, come to you and bring you God's word this morning. I've had the uh, privilege of being able to meet with some folks that I've not seen for quite a while during this whole uh, COVID uh, lockdown and the procedures that have been ongoing. And I just want to make it clear to everyone to whom I have not seen that uh, the church in Wood Green, we love you and, and we long to see you very soon and we continually pray for you uh, that God uh, in Christ Jesus would keep you and continue to sustain you. Uh, I pray that it won't be long till we are together and we fellowship and worship the Lord Jesus Christ together. With that in mind, can I pray for us before we enter God's word this morning? Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that uh, by your word, uh, you would keep us and sustain us. I pray, Lord, that all those who, even at this time, are, are consumed with uh, a fear and anxiety, uh, and those even less so are, are, are unsure, are, are, are unstable and wondering what the future holds. May they be assured that their futures are in your hands and you have promised that you will lose none of us. May we take heart that we have a saviour who is able to save to the uttermost those who are uh, perishing. Lord God, I ask and I pray that in these coming weeks, months, years, that you would uh, so mercifully uh, work that your church, the bride, uh, would gather in its fullness, in its beauty, uh, to worship and adore you. Uh, only you, Lord, can do this. We trust in you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, I'm glad to be able to continue as we have been through First uh, Thessalonians. And uh, I ask that you might turn there uh, in your own Bibles this morning. We'll be in First Thessalonians and we'll be picking up ourselves again in chapter 3 of First Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the folks in Thessalonica. We'll read the chapter in its entirety. Um, so obviously I'll be beginning from verse 1. And if you would follow with me, I pray that the Lord's word would reach you and sustain you this morning. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly, 
and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may the, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Thanks be to God for his word. I want us to note this morning that the key word in this chapter is established. As Christians, we go through times of testing and affliction. And unless we are established in Christ, we can be easily pulled away and be vulnerable to the devil's stumbling blocks. It is crucial, it is vital that we be established in our faith. Established to walk properly on what is solid, reliable and guaranteed. Being established emphasizes what is sure, something that we can be completely relied upon. The Lord confirms what he wants his believers to rely on through faith. This relates to God confirming to believers what is for sure and hence what he wants us to walk with all our weight upon. You have matured to the point that you are trusting in your Father and you are so sure you can put your full weight on him knowing that he won't let you down. That's what it is to be established, to know that God is true to his word and to believe that most earnestly. As I reflect in chapter one, as we were studying earlier in the year, Paul affirms in that chapter that this church in Thessalonica is saved. They have been saved and it was evident because they are walking in faith, steadfast in hope and laboring in love. We then move on to chapter 2 and it confirms that they were being nurtured, nurtured as God's people. They weren't being nurtured by anyone, but they were being nurtured by someone who was so purposeful in sharing the gospel to them. He shared that gospel boldly, honestly, and lovingly, as we saw earlier in the year. But now Paul conveys an even greater concern a concern to see these people established in the faith, 
so that he can properly instruct them on how they are to walk, as we'll come to see in chapter 4. Being established in the faith that we can all walk and uh, profess a life that is pleasing to God. I want us to see this morning those things that Paul wants to use to establish these believers and therefore us. It is a picture and ought to be a picture of our own approach. Us who are engaged in local church ministry, us who are members of local church, and what our approach must be and can be to be established in the faith. What does it Paul say there in verses 1 and 2? Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens. And we sent Timothy, our brother, and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith. What really, what really did Paul do to strengthen, to encourage, and to establish these people in their faith? Well, it's quite clear there. He, he sent them a man, specifically Timothy. I want us to see that firstly, we have a model of established ministry. Established in the faith, Timothy was a model of established, consistent ministry. Timothy had proved himself over several years in his own local church. When Paul arrived in Derby and Lystra, the brethren gave such an esteemed testimony of the merit and good character of Timothy that the Apostle Paul took him in order to assist him in proclaiming the gospel of the great Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy applied himself to labour with Paul in the business of gospel ministry and serve the Lord Jesus Christ with zeal and sacrifice. And through the whole course of his preaching, Paul calls Timothy not only his dear beloved son, but also his brother, the companion of his labours, and a man of God. Timothy was highly esteemed, but his Ministry did not begin with teaching and preaching. But when Paul was a minister, he helped him in the tasks of daily living and travel. We recount how Paul replaced John Mark, who had turned back when the going got tough, with Timothy. Timothy was someone who proved through the quality of his walk that he himself was established in the faith, and therefore he could assist others in establishing themselves just the same. He was an actual role model, an example, one that Paul desired for the Thessalonians to see. This is a picture of uh, the great commission that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us for discipleship. Paul wasn't content with making just converts, so he sent someone who could encourage the believers and establish them in their faith. 
a follow-up to his initial conversation with them as he proclaimed the gospel, as he sought to see them grow as a church, as he sought to nurture them through the gospel, he now sends. As he himself can't be there, he sends a trusted fellow worker, a trusted servant, a mature Christian to these believers that they may see they may see for themselves an example of mature Christian walk. Us mature saints in Christ, in this church and in every church, we must do everything that we can to help younger Christians grow in their faith by encouraging, teaching and fellowshipping with them. It's always a great encouragement to me when I hear that believers in this church are are gathering in and of themselves to to encourage one another. Just hearing today how uh, sisters in the church are meeting and talking about how they can gather not just to build one another up, but to serve in this local church. Myself and Ryan sat with a member of the church who had himself been uh, 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 led by the difficulties of the times that we were in, he had suffered much affliction. But he himself reached out to Pastor Ryan and said, you know, I just need to meet you and uh, Charles and we just need to talk that I can share with you the burdens that I'm having at the moment and that you might encourage me. The nature of his particular circumstance means that he's not always there to be able to gather with us and meet with us. But he saw and knew that gathering in some capacity with someone that could instruct him, that could teach him, that could fellowship with him was vital to his own Christian walk, was vital to his growth as a believer. Who are those amongst you within your local church that need your encouragement? They need you to open the word of God. They need you to fellowship with them. It's vital that as Christians, we be seeing how as we are growing in maturity, we don't have a a tunnel vision of, oh, this is just me and I've got to focus on myself. But that we open our eyes to the needs of those who are new to the faith, who are young in the faith, that need your encouragement and your help. Secondly, Paul had given them not just an example, a model of established Christian faith, but he also wanted to talk to them about the mode of being established in their faith, being established in their Christ, in, in, their, in, in Christ. So the model, but also the mode. Read with me in verse 3 and 4. Paul says that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. I mean, what is it that the Thessalonians seem to have forgotten? Paul had forewarned them about the impending affliction, which also implies that they had forgotten his teaching in regards to how to deal with it. Affliction comes to us all. It's an absolute promise. 
But what corresponds is that we as believers not run to what the world tells us as to how to manage our affliction, but how God instructs us to do so. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That we might be established means that we must place our faith in God's word so that we're not shaken. There's much to shake us. I don't need to tell anybody that. There is much in this world that can shake us, that can pull us apart and break us down. But rather than run to false doctrine, rather than want to run to empty words and temporary solutions, we ought to rest ourselves and shape our faith in the everlasting word of God. Back in chapter 17 of Acts, uh, this is what we, we came to know. Uh, Paul says, um, it says in Acts of the Apostles, Acts 17, verse 1 to 4. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, and as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for Christ to, to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. This was how the church in Thessalonica was established in the beginning. Paul went and as was his custom, he would find a place where people were and people were gathering uh, and they would hear the word of God preached from him and he would reason with them. Reason suggesting debate and discussion. He opened the word implying that he explained its meaning and he gave proof, laying an orderly way for everyone to see it. Paul preached. Paul gathered and preached and proclaimed the gospel. He, he opened the word of God, he, he read the word of God in the public and explained its meaning. You see, it's not enough for us to merely preach and teach and declare the word of God. There must also be approving and explaining. Paul gave evidence. And he sort of gives the, 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 the understanding of so, sort of a table where he makes everything clear, lays out the table so that anyone who comes to eat or wants to make use of the table can see. Paul conveys the responsibility of a spiritual worker that we ought to seek to explain and make clear the word of God so that people can be properly fed. Many in this world are, are, are just malnourished. There is a, a, a lack of biblical preaching, where it's not just uh, uh, someone will say the word of God here and they'll jump to this passage and they'll jump to this passage and they'll jump here and you can get mesmerized because technically they're reading the word of God. But there's no foundation to it. There's no uh, uh, seeking to make 
what the Lord God has given us purposeful and practical for people's lives. Paul could bear it no longer, so he sent forth Timothy as an example, a model of Christian faith, so that the people might see. And he seeks to remind them of what had been proclaimed before, so that in the midst of their current affliction, they don't need to look left and right to wonder where to go, they just need to look back. To look back to what was proclaimed, to look back to the word of God, that they may be established. But Paul continues there from verse 5 through to 10. He's given not just the model and the mode of uh, being established in Christ. He goes on to uh, give us a method as well. From verse 5 through to verse 10. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. What was the third thing that Paul did to establish their faith? He prayed for them. He prayed for them earnestly, night and day. Some may have heard of the, uh, the concept of a twofold ministry, the, uh, the word of God and prayer. And it's that that establishes the church. If there is all teaching and preaching and no prayer, then people will have light but no power. If there is all prayer, loads of prayer but little to no teaching of the word of God, you'll have an enthusiastic group with much heat but very little light. Christ's ministry consisted of both word and prayer. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 to 32. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. The prophet Samuel ministry consisted of both word and prayer. He says in Samuel chapter 12, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23, Moreover, as for me, 
far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Peter and the apostles uh, who have followed on from the Lord Jesus Christ knew that their ministry consisted of both word and prayer. They said in Acts chapter 6 verse 4, but we devoted ourselves to prayer and the ministry of God's word. Paul, the writer of this letter, his ministry was both word and prayer. Acts chapter 20 verse 32, and now I commend you to, the God, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance amongst all those who are sanctified. Paul's overwhelming concern, his overwhelming priority, was not the safety and happiness of God's people in Thessalonica, even though those things were important to him. He prayed most earnestly that they would be complete, that they would be established, so that when he saw them face to face, they would build him up as much as he sought to build them up. Faith is used often in this chapter. If Satan can get us to doubt God, to doubt his word, everything else will fall. The word faith can sometimes be translated as faithfulness. It is the quality of our obedience to God. It is actually put into practice those things that we have read and known of God's word that we may grow more and more into the image of Jesus Christ and become more effective witnesses and ministers to everyone around us. As I was uh, um, leaving work on Friday, um, I was there at the end and I thought, let me just get a little bit more sermon prep done. All my colleagues had left the office. There were only three of us left. And um, our two colleagues, they are uh, Muslim colleagues. And they were like, oh, Charles, you're not going home. Do you live here? You're staying here overnight. And just trying to mock, I guess. Um, but uh, they were asking me what I was doing. You know, work is finished. It's time to go home. And I explained to them, I'm, I'm preparing to preach on Sunday. Uh, and I'm preparing to preach, obviously, uh, uh, in preparation on Saturday as well. And I was just finishing off my prep. And she asked me, so, so are, you a, 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 are you a pastor? Are you a pastor of a church? And I said, yeah, I am. God has called me to, to work here in Wood Green to shepherd God's people. And one of the ministries is through the preaching of his word. She was taken aback by that. It gave me opportunity then to talk to her about what it is to be an elder in a local church. And it's not just being able to preach and teach, but someone who is above reproach, who is spoken well of, of uh, by other people, even members of the public in the local area and community, who is someone who is not given over to drink and to money and to wine, but is someone that is a model of Christian faith. Now, I know only too well that when I look at myself in the mirror, there is much, much more that the Lord Jesus Christ needs to do in my life that I might look more and more like him. But I know one thing is for sure. Because I have believed in him, I trust in him that he will continue to establish me. And though I may fail, though I may have my faults, 
I'm not looking to myself. At least I ought not to be. I'm looking to the cross to establish me. And in so looking, I'm realizing that there are others that are looking at me also. There are others that are looking at me as an example, but also looking at me that I might be one who opens God's word, but also someone who is consistent in prayer. To become effective witnesses and ministers to a, a watching world, we must look to models of Christian, effective Christian walk in their lives. We must look to the mode of established Christian ministry that is God's word. And we must seek to model established, effective Christian ministry by pouring ourselves into prayer. Listen to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 30 to 32. How? How shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon soil, though it is small than all the seeds that are upon the soil, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger and all the garden plants and forms large branches so that the birds of the air can rest under its shade. Christians are commanded to pray for one another and to pray for the lost. When there is a combined ministry of prayer and of word, Satan is defeated and the church is established. We can't miss Paul's final words here in chapter 3. Paul says, uh, offering a, a, a benediction, uh, a final words of uh, prayer and encouragement, as he says, Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father and at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The final thing Paul does here is to remind Christians of the Lord's return. I mean, how might that help us in affliction? Believers could assure themselves and encourage themselves with the promises the promise that Jesus Christ is coming again. It's an assured promise. Jesus is coming again. And even within our current circumstances, not only are they temporary, but they are completely under his control. That we believers can be completely free of sin by remembering that Christ might come this very day, we must seek to continually run to the cross and look to the coming again of the Lord Jesus Christ. As affliction hits us all in so many different ways, we can lose courage. 
we can become wearisome. But the more we focus our eyes on the truth that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, we do not know the hour, we do not know the day, we can persevere. We can look to God's word and we can persevere knowing that the Lord who has given his promises will complete what is lacking in our faith. He will give us that that is lacking. He has fulfilled every promise that he has made up until now. Who then is faithful and sensible whom his master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Blessed is that slave whom his master finds doing when he comes. When Jesus comes again, we as slaves to Christ, we as bond servants to Christ, that we might be found doing what he has called us to do, being examples, being models of faith, running to the mode of our faith, that is the word of God, resting in the model of established faith, that is prayer. I want to close us with the words of the Apostle John. John chapter 1, verse 2, 28 through to 3, verse 3. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. See how great his love, uh, the Father's love has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has his hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. I pray that the word of God would reach you this morning, that you might be established in the faith. I pray that as you uh, reread and reread, this word, that you read uh, again, chapter first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter three, that you might see the model of Christian faith, of established Christian faith, and see those models around you, that you might run to the mode of established Christian faith, the word of God. And as I pray, that you might see the method of being established in our faith. That is running to God, not just in word, but also in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly and gracious Father, Lord, we come to you knowing that our establishment is on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, for 
all those who hear me this morning who are suffering with affliction of various kinds. I don't know them, Lord, but you know them. You know them in their entirety because you are sovereign over all. I pray that your sovereignty would be made known to these people this morning and to me. I pray, Lord, that in knowing that you have all power over every single circumstance of our life, that we would not shrink back, that we would not lose heart, that we would not lose hope, but that we would know that by seeking to be examples of established Christian walk, that we would, as we seek to run to the mode of our Christian walk, that we who seek to focus on the, 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 the method of our faith, that is prayerful uh, a study of your word, that you have established us so that when you come again, we would be perfect just as you are perfect. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.